WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. Today, we're looking at real estate here in the Queen City, both homes for sale and apartments for rent. We're going to hear from a local political action committee that is working to make things affordable. But first, take a look at these numbers from December 2020 to December 2021. For homes, the average list price, sales prices, and the percent of original list price received are all up. So still definitely a seller's market. But it is starting to come down perhaps just a tad. However, the inventory of homes for sale and the month's supply of inventory are still down significantly. Joining us today, Lee Allen, the president of the Canopy Realtor Association here in Charlotte. Lee, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. It's good to see you. Um, you know, the president gives a, a state of the union, and sometimes the governor will give a state of the state, the, the, the mayor, state of uh, uh, the city. So I'm asking you as our go-to guy, what is the state of real estate in Charlotte as we start this new year? Um, I think the key word is you're going to have to be flexible. This is one of the most unique markets we've ever seen. Um, I just went back. I'm old enough, Ben, to remember 11% interest rates. Um, I had to go all the way back to 2013 before we got above five. We're still at record interest rates, which is just pushing the demand unlike anything we've seen. So flexible. You say people have to be flexible. So does that go for both buyers and sellers? Yeah, that's it's a really great point. I, I have a, a lot of folks that call and say, I'm thinking about selling my house. And the first question I ask is, do you have somewhere to go? And then buyers, when they come in the office, they say, we're thinking about buying. And I go, um, okay, uh, here we go. Let's strap up. Number one, let's make sure you're qualified and maybe not even pre-approved. Let's get qualified. Let's get everything in order. Because when that house comes on the market, it used to be, Ben, that a house would come on the market and we had two or three or four days to schedule showings to go take a look. We have two or three or four hours right now. I, I know. my. I, I not only did, did me and my husband buy a, a house this last year, but also my mother moved to Charlotte uh, this past year. And she was adamant, I am not going to pay list price. No way. I'm not going to do it. Let's just say Mama Thompson missed out on about a dozen homes before she finally realized that um, she was going to have to pay a, a little above list price before the house ever even went on the market. Um, you, you know, you're exactly right, Ben. The, one of the things is that last year, the average um, sale was actually 100.8% of list price, which means you're exactly right. Folks paid over list. And, and you got to find out before it even hits the market is the thing. All right, so where are we at when it comes to um, uh, supply, uh, supply side mm -hmm. of this thing? I mean, mm -hmm. are, are the homes at least there or they're not even there right now? You know, it's really interesting. They're really not there. Last year, one out of every three homes was a new construction. The challenge is since 2009, builders really just haven't kept up. We're about 1.35 nationally million, 1.35 million homes short of construction. Now, if you if you read any of the articles, any of the news journals, I counted, I lost count at 12 new developments that are happening currently in Charlotte right now in the metro area. And you're just seeing builders do everything they can to catch up. But now, as you know, we've got supply chain issues and everything else. They're having to get creative. It's, it's a pretty tough market. As, as I have found out, uh, is that you finally get that house and then you want to go start working on it and then you have to wait another few months just to get people lined up and get the supply chain. It's, it's uh, it Flexibility be... and patience, Ben. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, so where do you see this year going as far as compared to last year? Are you expecting it to be quite as tight or you feel like there might be a little bit more wiggle room for folks looking to buy? 
we think as more and more properties come on the market, um, we will actually get a little bit of flexibility as far as there'll be a few more options for folks. One of the challenges we really see, and as everyone knows, interest rates are gonna go up. They're forecasting anywhere between four to 7% increases over the next year. And, and I know that's concerning, but the one thing is that we're still historically low when it comes to interest rates. One, one interesting fact, for every 1% of interest rate that goes up, it actually reduces the buying power for a buyer by about 10 or 11%. So what you may see is a little bit of a realistic, we thought we were gonna go to that 325 median, which is our average or our median in the Charlotte area. Maybe they go to 299 or 300. What do you tell somebody who's, who's thinking about getting in the game this year, uh, wanting to do it, um, given what you know in your experience in the field, what, what advice would you give to those people? You know, one of the challenges that, as, as you, and you realized, um, at, is that in 2021, our average days on market was only 19 days for properties. From 2020, that was 35 days. So in a matter of a year, the it went down two weeks. I think you're gonna see that go back up a little bit, but I'm not sure that you're gonna get to 30 or 40 days yet. I think it's still gonna be incredibly competitive. Flexibility is gonna have to rule. I think um, relationships are gonna matter now more than ever. And when I say relationships, I'm thinking with your banker, with your lender, sure. with your realtor, you're gonna have to have that trusted advisor that gets you in the door the moment that home opens up. I, I found gone are the days, at least for right now, of, of being able to sort of ruminate over it and going and looking at other homes and then talking about it for a couple of weeks and then deciding to go back to that house. You, like it, 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 if that's the kind of personality you are, it's that, that's not happening anymore. You've got to be decisive. You've got to know what you want, where you're going, your financial setup. And it, it takes for some people um, the, the fun out of it just a little bit. Um, Does take the fun out of it. One interesting thing, I got an email this morning, Ben, 4.5 billion in private equity money is flooding into the Charlotte market, looking to invest in land to build homes and everything else. So there is a great, right? There's a great bellwether because so many people, right? We're meeting the top 10 of most attractive places to come in the country. We're one of the top 10. Realtor.com says we're the number three market to look and to watch into 2022. But as you know, if you start building a home today, it's probably not going to be ready until September, October. Sure. Um, listening to you, it can it can get really exciting um, because it's like, well, this is this is really cool that we live in a city like this that's growing this much. Let let me remind, remind folks the other side of this is affordable housing. And, oh. people, and, and people trying to find affordable housing. It's one of the it, city leaders will tell you it's the biggest issue we face right now. Um, and, and that makes this topic a lot less exciting. It, it really does. And, it, and it's almost heartbreaking uh, for opportunities where folks are saying, listen, I'm just trying. This is my starter home, right? It's not the end all be all. And as a result of that, we really are having challenges up. And Charlotte's doing a great job with, as you know, the 2040 plan, the UDO and the map. And we're working together to see what can we do to make more homes available so that our folks can continue to live and just enjoy what is what makes Charlotte great. It doesn't strike me Charlotte's going to become more affordable in the next year. It's going to be multi years from now. Do you, do you feel good, say, five years from now that we as a city and that includes your industry, but also city leaders and, and other folks, developers, 
get a better grasp of, of making this city more affordable as it continues to, to grow exponentially? Yeah, that's, that's a really great thing. One of the things I know that we're working on all kinds of fronts is how do we help um, make the value of land attractive enough or how do we help incentivize enough developers with whatever we can do to help them build more affordable homes? Absolutely. All right. Listen, Lee Allen with the uh, uh, president of the Canopy Realtor Association. Lee, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. It's always good to see you, Ben. Thanks. All right. Come back. That's one side of the equation. What about rent? A lot of folks say it's still way too high. That's coming up after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Joining us now, the Rental Housing Alliance PAC board chair, Lisa Taylor. Lisa, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. All right. So tell me, you, you all have formed this, this political action committee um, to tackle the, the issue of affordable housing and also rental um, the cost of rentals here in Charlotte. Why, why did you all form this uh, committee? So there's been increased um, cost and regulatory um, impact of multifamily. It's NMHC has quoted somewhere upwards of um, over 30% of the rental check uh, that you know an individual renter rights goes to um, just the, the cost of, of government regulation. So uh, you know we are looking at we are absolutely you know advocates for affordable housing. However, you know with recent changes in building codes and continued regulatory um, areas, it's important that we have our voice and and let the public and policymakers, elected officials, know how some of those decisions can really add to um, add to the rental rate and, and increase the, the rental you know check strike and also discourage um, new construction which you know apartments today housing in general particularly across the country but particularly in Charlotte um, occupancy are, is at an all-time high we need to build more apartments but we really are, are having you know some um, difficult times with raising construction costs um, in addition to the um, increased regulatory and the new um, building code requirements. Uh, so just to be clear for and transparency with our folks at home, um, yes. I, I know that you say <clears throat> you're, you're representing a, a, a bunch of different people, but 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 you're coming at it from a, a developer's standpoint uh, rather than and that then affects the rental uh, that, that somebody might pay at, say, a, a, a uh, complex in South End. And that's sort of your perspective. So just to be clear, the RHA um, is the advocacy arm of the Greater Charlotte Apartment Association. So um, I, it's, we are supporting our members who are both owners, managers, developers, and our supply partners that are all you know, um, in the industry. Got it. Thanks for that clarification. You know, right now, I think I saw an estimate that only 1% of uh, apartments right now are, are priced under the thousand dollars here in Mecklenburg County. I, I remember when I moved here 15 years or so ago, my apartment was $800 and I thought that was ridiculously, ridiculously expensive at the time in Uptown. Um, I, I, I know there's supply and demand when it comes to this, but, but what can be done in addition to building more apartments? Because I think most people will look at Charlotte and be like, there's a, there's a lot of apartments. I mean, like we can only build these so, so fast. What else can be done? Yeah, I think, you know, what we're advocating for is keeping um, construction and regulatory costs down. So, you know, not only are we building apartments, but, you know, at the cost, um, for example, you know, when we say we, the, 
the policymakers say, let's expand our tree canopy, let's make our sidewalks wider, let's have the setback deeper. You know, we really want to have these beautiful buildings, which is fine. You know, everyone can can understand that. But with each one of those new regulatory requirements for new construction, it just adds cost um, to build, which in essence, you know, is going to increase that rental check as well. Um, so, you know, that's what we're advocating for is let's have some, you know, reasonable um, requirements and building codes, you know, let's, let's, well, everyone wants to have, you know, a, a gorgeous building, you know, developed in your city, you, you've really priced out any possibility of a building affordable, whether that's, you know, little a affordable for most, attainable or big A, you know, truly, you know, government assisted, affordable. We have a, a number of elections this year. Uh, what do you plan to do? Yeah, so we plan to educate and advocate. Um, you, you know, our, the primary election, I think, is, has been pushed from uh, March to May. So we're really not even clear who um, is running at this point. Once we understand, we'll evaluate the candidates. Um, we hope to, again, educate and advocate and let them understand fully, you know, what their position is, whether they're incumbent and they've, you know, supported our industry or not. We, we hope to you know have an opportunity to discuss the issues with them or if it's a candidate uh, running um, then we hope to again educate them on uh, the the importance and, and the issues that are important and it's not just you know the building code it's um, valet trash removal you know that was an issue it's been something that um, it's a service that we currently offer, however, has been challenged um, in some municipalities, certainly within the greater Charlotte market um, and in some other places in North Carolina. But, you know, that, that take away our door to door valet trash service, uh, you know, that's that's something that the residents um, really uh, uh, appreciate value, you know, what they want to uh, retain, but through some regulation, you know, there that's a possibility that that could be going away. In general, do you find, say, the current city council um, favorable to your industry or, or, or do you have an issue with a number of people on, on city council, say? You know, I would say we have, we, value and support and have take issue with with any and all so it's really you know we have not identified any of the candidates that we are going to um endorse at this point uh we are are really fairly new we don't have a history uh to talk through uh we we're just rolling out you know our uh, program and plans for this election period. Um, however, you know, there's been some challenges for sure. We, we would not want to underscore that. No, and I think you bring up to light some of these challenges that a lot of folks, you know, perhaps we're not aware of or might not even think about. Um, they just see those, you know, apartment buildings going up on South Boulevard and they think, oh, we've got tons of apartments. And <laughs> we, we know it's a, a lot more complicated than that, for the, especially for the people building them um, and, and the codes and regulations involved as well. Um, Lisa Taylor, thanks for educating us and thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. In response to growing violence, CMS started randomly searching students for weapons at the beginning of the school year. But a WCNC Charlotte investigation found those safety screens have failed to turn up any guns. 
However, outside of those searches, police have confiscated more than 20 guns on CMS campuses so far. The district tells us tips from students or staff members led to many of those discoveries. WCNC Charlotte's Nate Morbido has more now on what's being done to keep students safe. District records show CMS has randomly screened more than 6,000 students in 300 classrooms at schools across the district since September and not found a single gun during those screenings. Prescription meds, marijuana, vapes. We kept some things away. Knives, stun guns, pepper spray. Things like that are dangerous. All found during random unannounced safety screenings, but no guns. I don't know if I would label it a success. Um, it could be a deterrent in some of our schools. Some kids are brazen and are bringing guns even though they know they might be searched. School board member Rhonda Cheek has remained outspoken in recent months, afraid CMS isn't doing enough amid an unusually dangerous school year. She's called for metal detectors. I want our schools, our staff, our students to feel safe. The data show the district has targeted more than 20 schools, most of them high schools, some multiple times, others, including the two largest in the state, only once each. I think it's certainly worth a look at seeing what kind of what the protocol is for those security screenings, seeing if there's any gaps in the system there. Representative Terry Brown sees a need for the district to review the program. In the meantime, the lawmaker says he's committed to ensuring the district and its SROs have the state resources they need to address the gun problem. We're never going to be able to monitor exactly every single thing that comes into a school, but we can make sure we can do as much as we can to prevent students getting their hands on weapons and bringing them into the school system. CMS doubled the number of screenings before winter break. A spokesperson said the district has emphasized screenings at the schools where the highest numbers of firearms have been found this school year. And in some cases, schools have requested additional screenings. So are they effective? CMS called the random screenings an important tool. I think the best way to approach it is to have the multifaceted approach that we're doing. Cheek knows safety screenings alone won't solve the problem, especially since gun violence originates in the community. But she says it is on CMS to come up with an actual plan with real solutions. Very frustrating. And Cheek says she's still waiting on the superintendent to deliver. I wanted to see a comprehensive safety program by the end of the first semester, and I haven't seen it yet. CMS recently introduced an anonymous reporting system for grades 6 through 12 and will hand out clear backpacks for high school students in the near future. Important, since CMS reports almost all guns found during the first semester were in backpacks. A spokesperson also said CMS is likely to announce installation and implementation of body scanning equipment in some schools and announce additional efforts soon. Records show CMS confiscated more over-the-counter medication than anything else. Medication that's supposed to be reported to the school nurse and under the school nurse's control unless it's in use. Nate Morabito, WCNC Charlotte. Interesting finds there. If you want to know what CMS found in each school, you can head on over to our website, WCNC.com. More Flashpoint after this. Charlotte's historic black culture is being remembered and it is being celebrated in murals across the city. One artist is behind nearly a dozen of those murals. WCNC Charlotte's Brianna Harper got a chance to chat with him about how he brings these art visions to life. A little spray paint here and there, helping to paint the bigger picture. I really have enjoyed doing murals and just working big and doing something purposeful. That's April Jackson behind the mask. 
a professional artist for 20 years whose signature can be found posted on murals he's made all across Charlotte, many of them highlighting history. When we look at our history, sometimes we see the devastation and we don't see what's still here. Here near the corner of South Bavard and 3rd Streets in Uptown is a look at historic Brooklyn. To uplift the community, just show what um, uh, Negro Wall Street is. Jackson says he wanted to recreate the Mecklenburg Investment Company and Grace AME Zion, two cornerstones of the community at the time. I wanted to highlight some of the leaders of the community that helped to uh, build these organizations. Along with showcasing the black youth, those leaders are now inspiring. And whether that inspiration is found on this block or the next, Jackson wants to make sure the art and the artist give a meaningful message. A variety of us are working in different mediums and doing different things, so it's a very strong, important, powerful community. Brianna Harper, WCNC, Charlotte. That's all for us this week on Flashpoint. We will not have a show next week because of the Olympics. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.